We are back from the list, from our break. Took two weeks off because we had a boring Super Bowl. As always, my name is Brett. Jordan is with me on this adventure. Zach is producing as always, and he is doing a great job as always. He is the best producer in the world, and I'm not saying that facetiously. Jordan, how are you doing? Um, I am just over here, and it's the off season. We had a great Super Bowl. We have a lot of dolphin things to talk about. The only thing that I am thinking about right now is how amazing of a producer Zach is. He is such an incredible producer, and we are so blessed to have him. And nothing ever goes wrong when he is uh, manning the ship. Um, and I'm just ready to have a great episode produced by a great producer. <laughs> if anybody can tell, we did have some production issues, but we're just rolling with the punches. Um, but yeah, no, said earlier, Super Bowl... I barely watched it. I was more excited for Deadpool and Wolverine, but ended up being an exciting Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, again, on his way to becoming the GOAT. Steve Spagnuolo, I said before the Super Bowl that he doesn't lose in the playoffs, and that still was the case. Uh, but Jordan, we're not here, and our listeners aren't here to listen to us talk about the Super Bowl. They want to hear us talk about the Dolphins, and it is officially the off season. The draft, it is draft season. The combine starts next week. But with the new, with the new uh, league year starting March 1st, I believe, we have some big-time free agents to talk about. We have Christian Wilkins. We have Robert Hunt. We have Andrew Van Ginkle. We have Connor Williams, who unfortunately is coming off of an injury. I can say that for most of our team, actually. And we have to extend Tua. Um, I think... When you look at it, two is the number extending two is going to be the number one thing. And while maybe a little more than I'd like, or mo- some people might like, it's going. I don't think it's going to look bad in a year or two with how the NFL ex- uh, contracts go. But if you ask me today, I think if we can only pick two to resign, I think it'll be Wilkins and Hunt. Yeah, I think that first of all, um, to go back to your Super Bowl. I think that Mahomes uh, is going to have a very tough time being the GOAT when all said and done because the blemish on his record is that he lost to a 40-year-old Tom Brady. Um, and 40-year-old Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be able to beat prime Tom Brady. Um, but it's going to be very difficult for Mahomes, I think, to secede him or to go past him. Um, but I think it's a lot like the LeBron-Michael Jordan conversation where – Mahomes is a very, very, very good number two and the Brady of this current generation. Um, I think he's a stud. Um, but on to the Dolphins, I, I think you got to look at them um, kind of individually. I think the very first thing that needs to happen, like you alluded to, uh, is Tua's extension. Tua's extension actually clears up the ability for us to sign other players because he has a very high cap number playing on that fifth-year option. So re-signing him, lowering that cap number for this year, um, and then pushing that money down the line will actually give us flexibility this year. Um, When you look at a guy like Van Ginkle, uh, I think we said a lot of the same things that I'm hearing this year about how we're going to get priced out on him. He had a great year. Yes, he did have a better year than last year, but we said this last year. Uh, So I could definitely see us with a guy like Van Ginkle coming off the injury, we're asking for Connor Williams maybe to come back on the cheap because of injury. Well, you might see the same thing with Van Ginkle. 
Uh, I think there are a lot of edge rushers in the league. I think teams love their own edge rushers. I think everybody thinks it's like everybody thinks they're mid tier guys, the best mid tier guys. Um, and I think that there's a chance we get Van Ginkle back on a team friendly deal. Um, then you look at Christian Wilkins, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams. Um, it's going to be a question, first of all, of what is Connor Williams' health? What's his timetable? I'm not committing to him for big money this year if I don't think he's going to be able to play. Not Maybe not play in the preseason. He can play week one, but at least be able to practice um, throughout the offseason and going into the season. I don't want to sign Connor Williams, and then we get to the season, and we've gone a couple weeks. Um, where he's still not healthy and not able to play. Um, and we're, we're missing that key piece where those funds could have been allocated elsewhere. Um, I think Robert Hunt is the player most likely to return to the Dolphins. Uh, I think that he is um, the, probably will probably get him at a good value. Um, I've seen numbers up into the 60s uh, millions range and then some in the 40 million range. Uh, I think he'll be somewhere in between that. Um, I think something like a four-year, $50 million contract, um, it'll be the guaranteed money that's interested or interesting and how far down they push some of that money um, and what it looks like up front. Um, and then Christian Wilkins is literally and figuratively the elephant in the room. There are different options you can go. Um, I know that we were sent um, the figure. Um, I don't remember where it is, but I think it's somewhere in the 20 to $21 million range. Um, to franchise tag Christian Wilkins. Uh, the problem with that is that you're going to need those funds. You're going to need to be able to use those. So the only way I see the Dolphins tagging Christian Wilkins is if they're then looking to trade him. If they're looking to trade him, the team I would look to immediately is a team like Arizona um, or a team like the New York Giants. Both have a lot of money. The Giants could look to put him next to Dexter Lawrence. Uh, who he played next to in college, um, and the Cardinals have the money, the means, and he's a good fit for Jonathan Gannon's defense. Um, with a team like the Cardinals, uh, who I think are the more likely team, you can look at something like that 27th pick, um, back to the Dolphins for Christian Wilkins. Uh, with a team like the Giants, maybe their second-round pick um, and some sort of future compensation. Um, if you can't work out a good deal for Christian Wilkins, Personally, I would like to sign him. I would sign Wilkins and I would sign Hunt, but I totally understand if the Dolphins choose not to offer him something close to $100 million, whereas a team like, I hate to say it, but the Patriots from his home state in his home area um, and a team he grew up liking, I could definitely see them bringing him home um, and being able to offer him more money than the Dolphins. That's something I could also see. Um, you know, AFC East teams love to share players. Um, but I would love to bring back Christian Wilkins. But if we don't, I would love to see us get something for him. So my long-winded statement is to say I think we re-sign Robert Hunt. I'm pretty positive of it. I think we get something done with Van Ginkle. I think we only sign one of Wilkins or, or Connor Williams. I would prefer it be Christian Wilkins, but I wouldn't be surprised if we look to trade him. And Connor Williams is dependent on his health. Yeah, I have a feeling if we get Connor Williams back, it's on a one-year deal to show me, like, look, you know, you know, you've had your best seasons with us. You know our system. 
kind of a good faith deal. I've no Chris Greer has a tendency to do good faith deals where it's you come in, we'll take care of you. So I could see that happening if anything happens with him. Uh, Wilkins, it comes down to are you going to value a couple? Well, actually, it comes down to a couple things. One, he is the as we said when he was drafted, he was known as a culture builder, and he's absolutely a big part of why Miami's culture has improved. The next question is he's had his best season ever from a sacks from a sack and other productions uh standpoint but is this a one-year thing or is this going to be the new trend are you going to give him the simmons money the donald money and expect that every year so that's the tough question because that would be something like said you know you're going to get 80 90 percent of the snaps so you know you're going to get the hustle but are you going to get those numbers again and is that money going to be worth it if you don't get the production I kind of think everybody wants him back, but I think if you get over that twenty, if you get over, if it gets over twenty-two million a year, I think we there's a good chance we walk away from the table. But I I do hope we bring him back, and I would say, like I said earlier, I think it's going to be they're going to do whatever they can to get Wilkins and Hunt back back, and then everybody else kind of falls into place. And it's funny because it's interesting when you start looking at. And we start moving ahead towards the draft. What we do in the first round is going to be very dependent on what we do with those big three guys. Um, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Christian Wilkins. Because I personally, I pencil tight end into our second round pick. Unless something like Brock Bowers falling happens. Um, I've seen him, if he falls past five and seven, um, there's a chance he gets into those teens, and I think every single Dolphins fan starts talking about possibly moving up for him. Yep. But if that doesn't happen, then you have to think that our second-round pick is going to go to Jatavian Sanders, Cade Stover, or Ben Sanat. Um, I know some people say Jakeem Bell's in that talk. I don't think so. I think it's one of the first three guys um, who Ben Sanat and Cade Stover are both excellent blockers, physical guys. Um, that will fit in perfectly to what the Dolphins do. And I think Jatavian Sanders just has too much skill to pass up. Um, But that's the second round. I think that first-round pick, you start looking at, if you don't re-sign Christian Wilkins, Jerzon Newton is uh, is all of a sudden the number one player on your draft board. If we don't re-sign Christian – or if we do re-sign Christian Wilkins and Robert Hunt or Connor Williams go – then you start looking at offensive line. If Connor Williams goes, Jackson Powers Johnson is probably the number one player on your draft board. Personally, I don't like drafting for need, but I think the Dolphins, I'm more of a best player available type guy, but I think the Dolphins are in a position where they have to draft to directly replace one of these key guys that they're very likely going to lose. Now, honestly, the good thing is, is it's very, very likely that a position in need on offensive line is going to be the best player available. You talk about Jackson Powers Johnson. He could be a top 20 pick, if not higher, which is kind of rare for a center, but it isn't unheard of. Uh, Zach Frazier of West Virginia. He's getting a lot of love, first round love I've seen recently too. But then you look at the guards slash tackles. Uh, name we don't really talk about a lot, but I've started to see get a lot of first-round love is Jordan Morgan out of Arizona. Uh, looking at it, it says he's 6'4", uh, 312. I think he is going to shift into guard. Uh, we've talked about Troy Fatanu or Fatanu. 
he's he's another one. Like I said, Graham Barton. I'm I'm almost sick of talking about Graham Barton because it felt like every mock draft had him going to the Dolphins, and that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I'm just you ever get prospect fatigue with someone where it's like you just see him mock your team so much that you're like, I just don't want to talk about him anymore. That's Graham Barton to me. I think that pro, uh, prospect fatigue is probably what you see happening to a lot of people uh, when you talk about a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, yeah. And I think that even Caleb Williams or Drake May, uh, Drake May is a great example of a guy we start seeing get prospect fatigue. Um, but I think that's how I felt a little bit with the Graham Barton thing early. Um, I think, like you said, Jackson Powers Johnson is an elite talent. Personally, if we are going to bring back Connor Williams on a one-year deal, I wouldn't mind drafting JPJ, putting him at left guard, and letting him sit there for a year and learn the snap count, learn everything, stand right next to Connor Williams all year, and then shift over to the center position um, going into year two. Um, that's something I'm open to. Also, if Connor Williams is going to miss any time, you could see them bringing in Powers Johnson at center and then putting Connor Williams at left guard when he does come back. But I think of the guys you mentioned, Jordan Morgan was going to be a first-round pick last year, um, and then he got hurt towards the end of the season uh, and then decided to go back to school and had an excellent year for a really good Arizona team. Um, I think guys like Jordan Morgan, Troy Fatanu. Graham Barton. Um, you even start looking at later first, second round guys, um, Zach Frazier, Christian Haynes, Cooper Beebe. I think those guys are better fit for the Dolphins, fits for the Dolphins than a guy like Patrick Paul, Tyler Guyton, or Amarius Mims. I think those guys are more tackle specific guys where when you start looking at the Fuagas, the Fatanus, um, the Bartons, which I think Barton's more of an inside guy long-term. Um, you start looking at guys like that, that can play left guard. And then you can decide, do we want to keep them at left guard or shift them over to left tackle when Armstead's eventually gone? But if a, you draft a guy like a Mims, like a Guyton, like a Patrick Paul, then they're going to end up playing behind either Armstead or Austin Jackson. And that makes no sense to allocate a first-round pick to a guy that's going to be a backup in a season where there's a lot of pressure to not only be a good team, but to contend for a legitimate Super Bowl. Yep. I could see us taking Patrick Paul just because of the athletic profile. I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't like be in love with it, but I could see it. Uh, Amaris Mims. I cannot see us taking, uh, I'll be honest. I don't really know a lot, enough about Tyler guy. And I know he's at Oklahoma, but I don't usually trust Oklahoma, Oklahoma offensive line, offensive linemen. They all. Tyler Guyton's a good fit uh, just because he's very athletic. He was a former tight end uh, that shifted a tackle, so he could definitely move. Um, I just don't think that we're looking for a tackle-specific guy. Yeah. Um, I find that to be very difficult. But continue your rant about Oklahoma offensive linemen, please. I just usually don't. Aside from Trent Williams, they tend to not be very good in the pros. Um, so it's just tough to trust them. Uh, another guy who is raising up draft boards real quick. I don't know if you've seen this, but this is someone we mentioned uh, about a month or so ago is the Yale offensive tackle, uh, Kieran Amagaji. He's getting day two, day two love. And some people think that he could even sneak into the, into the first round now. Yeah. So I don't see him as a guy that we take in the first round, 
um, or the second round, just because I think we have bigger needs. Um, But if he happened to be a guy that ended up slipping, that had a lot of praise, because I think every year we have their 60 top two round picks, 64 picks. I think we have closer to 100 guys that we as a draft community and talk about the draft that we name throughout the process as first and second round guys. And we always think to ourselves when we make mock drafts, there's no way this guy slips. But sometimes, because there are so many guys that we think of that way, guys end up slipping. And we're going to talk about the quarterbacks a little later. And I'm going to talk about that, how guys every year end up slipping. Um, But if a guy like Amagaji ended up falling to day three somehow, or one of those situations like I talked about earlier, where the Dolphins end up picking up another day two pick, let's say they trade down with a team like Carolina, um, and end up getting another third round pick um, in the mix. I could see him being a great fit and being a guy they stick right behind Teron Armstead and say, learn. Yeah. Yeah. And like we talked about many times, this offensive line class, if you can trade down and get an extra pick, there is no reason if worst case scenario comes and we lose both Hunt and Connor Williams, you can come away with two starters. Even if we only lose one of the two, we technically don't have a left guard right now. So even still, if we're just, if we need to replace two offensive linemen, I it's very easy. This is a very easy class to get two starters um, and rebuild the line really quick. I think not as it just a deep class, but it feels like so many of these guys are perfect for our blocking scheme and for our offense. And that's one of those reasons why I think it's very important for the Dolphins. Um, And one of their focuses is to find a spot somewhere in the 28, 27 to 35 range that they can maybe move down and pick up another pick. Because we're talking about the offensive line class, and we just named a number of guys um, that we like as first-round picks. And I think that – first or second-round picks – I think the defensive line class for the Dolphins is pretty cut and dry. I think that if you don't re-sign Christian Wilkins, then Jerzon Newton and Byron Murphy shoot way up in terms of the the ability for us to draft. I'm a huge fan of Tavondre Sweat. Um, I think in any draft, you have a big physical guy who's massive um, and can be on the field for more than just goal line situations. Um, I would take Tavondre Sweat no matter what the situation was. Um, but that's more of a value pick and not necessarily a need if you b- bring back Christian Wilkins. And there are a couple other guys, Mikai Wingo, um, Michael Hall, um, and a couple mid-round to late-round guys. I know you love Chris Jenkins. Uh, but if we bring back Christian Wilkins, I don't see it. I don't see there being much of a value for the Dolphins to greatly improve their roster with a high pick on the interior defensive line. We need to replace Raekwon Davis, but I'm not necessarily sure that comes from using a first or a second round pick on one of these guys. Yeah. Random thought too, while you're talking about defensive line, because you basically named all the good defensive line. I'm looking at that in the edge. This is, this is a rare year where there's like defensive tackle. You can, is always kind of weird, but I'm not super impressed with this edge class. You have a layout Latu. Uh, Dallas Turner, Jared Verse, and uh, Chop Robinson and Braylon Tice, or Trice. You have those five guys, and then it's a deep drop. This is 
I'm glad. Like, it sucks that we're coming off of our edges being injured, but this is <laughs> you. You hope they come back healthy because this is not the year to be wanting needing an edge. You know, this looking at this interior defensive line class, and yes, this edge class, but it makes bringing back and having limited values guys like Van Ginkle and Raekwon Davis. While you want them back on smaller deals than maybe they would get elsewhere. Um, you might want to bring them back for Raekwon Davis another year to two. Um, maybe you're able to get out of that after this year, but you give him two years um, and bring Van Ginkle back for maybe a couple million more than you'd want to um, just because you're going to have to allocate draft needs elsewhere because we're going to start talking about the tight end class right now, after, unless you have anything else to say about this defensive line class. And this is a tight end class that I think both of us are very high on and one that we feel it is the the number one key of the offseason to me is we need to come out of round two specifically with a tight end on our roster. Yeah. My hot take to a lot of people is I like this class top to bottom more than last year's class. And we all, everybody loved last year's class. You may not have all loved, we all may not have loved all the same people. Jordan, you're one of the people that loved Darnell Washington. I didn't see it with him. I still love Darnell Washington. No, understandable. I saw him as basically the sixth offensive lineman, but people had those. Some people but liked, I like uh, that. Yeah, no, it's cool. No, I, I, it's, there's a role for it because Deion Sims had that role with us uh, too. Oh, that's a great name. It is a great name, but I think there's de- like there's definitely a role for that. Some people like Musgrave from Oregon State. Some people hated him. I think more for what we want to do, it is a deeper class. Like first of all, you mentioned Brock Bowers earlier and saying he could fall. If he gets into the teens, yes, I'm starting to call. See, hey, okay, what do you want? But I cannot see Jim Harbaugh passing on a quote unquote generational tight end in. At, in the top, like right there at five. Um, for anybody who's not a Michigan fan, the joke is when Harbaugh went, got into coaching, he talked to Bo Schembechler, and Bo asked him two questions. Are you going to use a fullback? Harbaugh said yes. Are you going to use a tight end? Harbaugh said yes. And Michigan, Stanford, San Francisco, wherever he's coached, they use two to three tight ends. So getting Brock Bowers seems like just too much, for, too much of a Jim Harbaugh thing for Jim Harbaugh not to do. Yeah, I think if the only way they don't take Brock Bowers is if they feel that Malik Neighbors or um, Roma Dunze, Dunze, um, that one of them are generational, generational talents, and that Brock Bowers is just a very good tight end and not generational, and they go in that direction, which I get. Um, I just think the need is perfect. Gerald Everett's a free agent. Um, Parham's not a tight end one. Um, he's a good two. And I think Brock Bowers would be the perfect fit and something that Justin Herbert really could benefit from. Yeah. But even talking about our tight ends, I've seen enough people who talk to Mike McDaniel say McDaniel admits that they need to get a more dynamic tight end in the pass game. Uh, we all know, you and I have hyped him up all year, Dertravion Sanders is the clear number two. I know Brett Coleman has him a lot closer to Brock Bowers than most. I am not going to go that far. There was a time early in the draft process where I said, 
first round, I don't care where we draft. If we need to, I would reach for Sanders. I'm not at that point now just because I've started looking at the offensive linemen. But if you trade down, I'd still draft Sanders at the bottom of the first, beginning of the second. Uh, I I think that Sanders' floor is the 49th pick of the draft of the Bengals. I would almost be willing to guarantee that Sanders goes either 36 or 40 to Washington. If if Bowers doesn't go five, he could go 37 to the Chargers, 38 to the Titans. Um, he could go. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. 45 to the Saints makes sense. Um, and then you have that team right there, the Cincinnati Bengals sitting at 49. I think there's a chance that the Bengals in their draft room will have a conversation about taking Jatavian Sanders at 18. I don't think they'll do it. I think, I, I think they have bigger needs. But I think that conversation will take place in the Bengals locker room or in the Bengals draft room. And it is, I am 100% sure that if he is on the board and nothing changes between now and draft night, which it will, that they will take a tight end with that 49th pick if they hadn't done so already. And it could be Cade Stover, who is the Ohio State boy. And uh, Cade Stover to me is the perfect tight end for us. Uh, ben Chinote, someone that you mentioned a lot too. I think they are both very underrated as receivers. Sinot more so, but that's I think that's more because of the Kansas State offense and because Will Howard kind of sucks as a quarterback. But <laughs> those two are both really good. And talking about the Bengals, but even with us too, I think Jaheim Bell is someone that the Bengals for sure, but definitely Mike McDaniel will love. I'm looking at a page right now, and they have two different measurables. The summary says Jaheim Bell is 6'3", but the actual height says 6'1". So he's going to rely a lot on the measurables at the Combine. Because if he's 6'3", that's a guy who could potentially shoot up the board even maybe to the bottom of the first, beginning of the second, maybe. But if he's 6'1", that's uh, he's going to fall a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be all about the measurables for him. Have I told you my theory about Ben Sinat and Cade Stover? No, you haven't. So... Ben Sinat and Cade Stover, first of all, if, if a magic genie came down and told me you could name three players and the Dolphins will be guaranteed to get one of those three players, one would be Jackson pa- Powers Johnson. The other two would be Cade Stover or Ben Sinat. I want the Dolphins to get one of the two. I think that because Cade Stover wears a single-digit jersey number, that he is seen as somebody less physical than he is. And I think that because Ben Sanat wears the number 34, people struggle to see him as a bigger, more physical tight end. I think if they wore, I think if they wore more traditional tight end numbers, I think people would be talking about them much higher than they are. And I think that that's just the laziness of the draft process. I am probably the single person banging my fist on the table the most for Ben Sinat to be a Miami Dolphin. If we got Cade Stover, I'd be just as excited, but both those two guys would be the perfect tight ends for Mike McDaniel's offense. And I think would step in on day one, just like I said about Brock Bowers with Herbert. 
not only would the two of them make Tua's life easier, they'd make the running back's life easier too, and they would make Tyreek and Jalen Waddle's life easier in the red zone. I think one of those guys is guaranteed. We're going to talk about other tight ends that we like, but those are the two guys that I see and say we need to get one of those guys. Yep, and one of those tight ends I'm going to mention too, like I agree, Snot or Stover, those those are two guys that I'm like, per- they're perfect for us. But a guy who I keep seeing more of, I've been I watched some some of his tape and he's intriguing is Dallin Holker from Colorado State. He was a he was a BYU before. He was basically sixth offensive lineman. He did not have a lot of catches. Goes to Colorado State. Like I t- like I've said before, told Mister S this. I will tell you this, Jordan. Go look at Dallin Holker's film for Colorado State. Yes, it's Colorado State, so it's not a big school. It's not a very good school. You see what he runs. You see how he plays. There is definitely something there. And then another guy who is rising right now is Theo Johnson from uh, Penn State. Very good. I believe it was the Senior Bowl. It wasn't the Shrine Bowl, right? It was the Senior Bowl he was at? I thought it was the Senior Bowl. It could have been the Shrine Bowl. They all seem the same. Yeah. Either way, he's another big tight end from Penn State, 6'6", 257. Very good blocker. Penn State, you need to block, unless your name's Mike Kosicki, but everybody else at Penn State, if you're a tight end, you're going to block. He's someone kind of like Luke Schoonmaker and Brenton Strange last year. I think he's going to go higher than most people expect just because of what he does well, and he's athletic enough and has reliable hands to where, yeah, the stats aren't there, but it's stuff that you can project well into the next level. So he's one that I wouldn't be shocked to see um, go higher than he was. And then, of course, another guy who's getting a lot of praise right now is uh, McCollum Castles from Tennessee. I'm, I don't know as much about him as others, but I know how Tennessee plays, so he's going to be relied to make, make blocks, and he's got to have soft hands because they play fast and they need you to do everything. So, like I said, it, it is a much better tight end class than people give credit for. Yeah, and I think if the Dolphins go in a direction – where let's say they take an offensive lineman in round one, um, and then either Stover or Sonata aren't as high on their board, or they have a player that falls in their lap, maybe a second offensive lineman, um, maybe a guy like Jerzon Newton falls you in the first round, you just take an offensive lineman in the second. Um, maybe they like one of the safeties um, that we haven't talked about yet. Um, you get into other players, maybe a receiver, um, we didn't talk about the Jalen Waddle situation and the hypothetical Mike Tannenbaum trade, um, which I we don't think is going to happen. But if a situation arises where we get into day three without a tight end and need to take one, um, if Theo Johnson is still somehow there, uh, he turns into tight end one for us, um, and we don't look back. And I think that that will be a steal, but I don't think he'll be available. Callan Castles is a guy like you mentioned. Um, I know that you know that I love Brevin Span Ford from Minnesota. Um, I was high on him last year. He went back to school. Um, I think he's the type of guy um, in the Darren Fells, Mercedes Lewis. Um, they are specifically blocking type tight ends. Brevin Span Ford has a little bit of wheels to him, a little bit of catching ability to him, um, but a lot in the way that a lot of people like Darnell Washington last year. Um, I think Span Ford is a guy. Uh, that's going to be right up there in day three with the guys that I'm going to be banging the table for. Um, I thought Mason Fairchild um, had a great year at Kansas, um, and he seems like the type of guy um, that's physical that catches on as a later tight end um, on a roster. Um, 
but the Dolphins need to add a tight end. Um, and I personally wouldn't feel comfortable even pushing it to day three. Um, I think that by the end of day two, the Dolphins need, if they don't have their starting tight end on the roster, it's a failure of an offseason. Yeah. And speaking of Span Ford, I think the, uh, the reason he fell so far is Minnesota did something that I don't think anybody thought where they would downgrade a quarterback from Tanner Morgan. Yeah, no, they, uh, they were terrible. And I like, I don't even know how to say that kid's last name. Um, I know he was well-regarded coming out of high school. Um, I think the PJ Fleck effect has worn off. Um, but I think if you get Spanford into a system where he has real football players around him, I think you could definitely see him succeed. Yeah, no, I'd agree, and he's already a good blocker. Uh, but he's let's the go type ahead. of guy, Brad. I'm sorry to cut you off. He's the type of guy that even if you take a Jatavian Sanders, a Cade Stover, a Ben Sanat, he's a guy I wouldn't mind taking on day three and molding as a backup end of the roster tight end. Yeah. No, I agree, and he can do the wildcat. Uh, we, I know we don't like it, but. We kind of need some help in the short yardage. And he's the guy who could help both as a receiver in short yardage or as a runner. But um, interesting and topic for the draft this year, uh, not for the Dolphins because we have this, but will be quarterback. Now, Caleb Williams, it does seem like, is still the consensus number one overall player slash pick. I do have questions about his attitude and turnovers going to the pros. Uh, especially the attitude, just because the stuff that came out of USC, it felt like he was too Hollywood. But I know you love Caleb Williams. Um, so it just feels like we're kind of nitpicking with him, too. Just It just all comes down to attitude for me. But you mentioned Drake May earlier, and uh, we did say it. it is de- there's definitely prospect fatigue with Jake May, Drake May. Um, North Carolina was good, but I still think they to a lot of people, they kind of disappoint it. But it does feel like Drake May at least in the draft, like with draft Knicks in the online draft world, it feels like he is getting picked apart almost too much. Cause now you're seeing, now you're seeing people want like wanting him to fall a bit. And I, I still think he's the number two guy, but it is interesting just to see how much like people just seem to dislike him just cause he's been the consensus number two for so long. So I do think that what's interesting about Drake may is that the guy that's to be making the position or the decision with the number two pick um, is going to be whoever Cliff Kingsbury feels is the best fit for his offense. And for the most part, he's like mobile guys um, and guys with Jaden Daniels skill set. Um, so I could see him going in that direction. Um, then it's going to be, do the Patriots feel like they want to take Drake May or do the Patriots see Marvin Harrison Jr. as a generational talent, which is the route I personally would go if I were the Patriots? I would take Marvin Harrison Jr. and then try to move back up into the end of the first round and get a fifth year for a guy like Bo Nix or a guy like Michael Penix. Um, I think J.J. McCarthy, um, as we start moving into him, is going to be a guy that goes a little higher than some think. I'm starting to think he might get picked in that Denver range or in that Vegas range, um, even a team like Minnesota could take him and sit him behind Kirk Cousins for a year. However, we've talked about how much Kevin O'Connell loves Kirk Cousins, and I think they'll try to win with Cousins rather than drafting the replacement. So, But I see Denver and Sean Payton, if they get out of that Russell Wilson contract and they are looking for other options and they're looking for guaranteed options, and they don't have to overpay for a quarterback. 
drafting J.J. McCarthy, I think it's number 12 overall. That's not going to look too bad on draft night. Um, but then every year we start seeing a little bit of a fall. So you have Caleb Williams is going to go one. I think that's that's – you said you might rock with Fields and go Marvin Harrison. I said if you're going to do that, trade down. Um, get what you can. Caleb Williams is going to go one. Then it's Mayor Daniels. I think Daniels. Then it's McCarthy in my mind. Then you start dropping into looking, okay, does somebody at the end of the first round need a quarterback? Probably not. Those guys all have their guys. So you start looking at Penix or Bo Nix might end up falling to the beginning of the second round. Yeah. I think, and more is coming out from actual, like, professionals in the draft world. It's becoming more and more clear that I think the NFL values J.J. McCarthy a lot more than the fans do. Now, I'm a Michigan fan. We all, I take every chance to admit that. J.J., to me, does need another year. He's not ready to start as a rookie. It's most, mostly mechanical stuff. But he just turned 21. He is, by all accounts, an amazing kid. He is a great leader. He has everything you want, except mechanical issues, some mechanical issues. So I think right now he is the fourth quarterback. I think he is going to go. I think he's going to be top 12, a top 12 pick. But I would not be shocked because of how young he is if he was the number three, if he was the number three quarterback. I could see, and I've seen some people say he might be the number two quarterback to some. I'm not going to say that. But I could see AIDS playing a factor with him maybe going above Jaden Dan, like being the number three guy, whether it's Jaden Daniels, Drake May, whoever. I don't know if I'd go that. I think he's the number four guy. Penix is getting over-analyzed right now, both because of age, but because, speaking of Michigan, how poor he looked in a national title game. Which is ironic because I thought he looked really, really good in the semifinal against Texas. Right. So Penix, I think, is getting a little too much hate. The big thing, and we'll talk about this in a little bit too, uh, in another segment for a little spoiler, is the injury history. That's going to get burnt, picked to shreds too. The one who will fall, I think, is Bo Nix. Not just because of the age thing. But, and I, I posted the chat this to you, or I sent it to you, and it was in Discord for a while. Bo Nix, like, Oregon runs so many screens that Bo Nix's average yards per dropback or yards per pass is like four yards. It is such a short passing offense that people are going to use that against him, especially when you go back and look at his Auburn film where he was undraftable. He just was not a good player. So a lot of people are going to question the fact that whether it was, is it him or is it the system? And just because of what Oregon's system's always been, I th- and the fact that he is an older prospect, I think Bo Nix is the one most likely to fall out of that first round. Um, so if it was me, I would say Caleb Williams one, Drake May two, Jaden Daniels three. I still think that. And you and I have been on the Jaden Daniels. I'm I'm still saying this. You and I have been on the Jaden Daniels bandwagon before 
um, then JJ, then Penix, then Bo Nix. Um, if I had to pick today, and I think we're just on the same top six, um, but if I had to decide where these guys are going to go and had to give you my decisions today, I'd say Caleb Williams goes one to Chicago. Uh, Drake May, I'm sorry, Jaden Daniels goes two to Washington. Drake May ends up going three to New England, although I'd go elsewhere. Um, J.J. McCarthy goes 12 to Denver. Now, let me ask you this. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, and let's say hypothetically you've made the decision to move on from Kenny Pickett, which I don't think they have, but if, if you've decided you're getting a new quarterback, would you draft Michael Penix number 20 overall, or would you trade the 20th pick in the draft for Justin Fields? I would personally go Penix because I think he is – I think he's ready to step into that situation. I think the Steelers are either would either trade for Justin Fields or try and sign Russell Wilson because right. Steelers are see, in win down mode. Yeah, I just don't see the Steelers being a possibility for drafting a quarterback. Yeah. The Rams are a team at nineteen that could draft a quarterback, but if you look at Stafford's contract, he has a couple more years before they're going to be able to get out of that contract. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the Rams do. He's 36 years old. Um, they have this year that he's getting 31 million, and there would be 86 million in dead cap to get rid of him this year. Um, it, it would be about, or you'd lose. I'm sorry, 55 million next year. You lose about five million in cap. So that, I see the Rams as a team because you can get out of it after that and save 13 million dollars. In 2026, I see the Rams as a team that are going to draft a quarterback next year. I think they're still going to try one more time to add a position player um, to continue to grow this team. Um, then does Tampa take a quarterback? I think they go with Baker again. Yep, I think Baker. Um, then you go into the second round. <clears throat> I think that's a point at 39. The Giants, I could see them taking a quarterback there. And then Atlanta at 43. So now we have Caleb Williams going one, either Drake May or Jaden Daniels going two and three, McCarthy going 12, and that's it. You still have Bo Nix and uh, Michael Penix available. Yeah. So I think nine, a lot depends on what the Falcons do too. Um, well, that's what I was about to ask you at 43. Now the Steelers made the decision to stick with Pickett. Or go Russell Wilson. At 43, are you drafting Michael Penix? Or are you trading for Justin Fields? I think the, Fal I think the Falcons are more likely to trade for Justin Fields. I Especially because Fields is an Atlanta guy. So um, now, he, they don't go there. At 44... Vegas is a team that I think you could see take a quarterback at 44. Vegas is going to get a quarterback at some point. They um, just, they have to. Unless they get Russell Wilson. True. 45, New Orleans is going to be a hot spot for a quarterback. Yes. But I think that people are trying, and this happens every year. People say Vegas at 13, New Orleans at 14. Those are spots. Hey. You know who might want Michael Penix? Seattle at 16. Being yeah, his offensive Ryan, coordinator. 
Ryan Grubb is now the offensive coordinator. They could get out of Geno's contract. So Seattle's a position. That's the one spot that I could see Penix going in the first round. Other than that, I think you're looking at both Penix and Bo Nix going 44 to Vegas, 45 to New Orleans, um, 52 to the Rams if they make it there. Hell, 54 to Cleveland with the Deshaun Watson questions they have. Um, and those are the spots that I see. Like Bo Nix, I don't think will be a conversation until the 39th pick of the draft. Yeah, I can see that. And it's one of those things we, there's always, like you said, there's always quarterbacks we think are going to go in the first round. Ironically, two of the biggest ones are guys who ended up going to the Tennessee Titans in back to back years on day two. Will Levis and Malik Willis. I think, unfortunately for us, I think because of the game it was, I think, um, I think Levis showed enough that they're going to give him another year. I totally agree. But. But it's a new coach. It's a new coach. Like I said, I think, and I hate to say it because I agree with you, I think it's going to be. To me personally, I think it's going to be um, Caleb, May, and Daniels, maybe not in that order, going one, two, three. I think a lot depends on if the rumors that the league is higher on J.J. McCarthy than fans are is true or not. Because of his age, I think some teams are going to – I think teams are going to be more willing to take a flyer on him. So I think it really depends on where he goes, and that will determine the rest of the quarterback class. If J.J. McCarthy goes very high, a spot I could see him going that we haven't spoken about is number 10 to the Jets. Um, he could be Rodgers' backup uh, for a year and then take over. He could. I would hate that. As a Michigan fan slash Dolphins fan, I would hate J.J. McCarthy going to a team like the Jets who I hate, just like I would have hated Agent Hutchinson going to the Jets. So please don't let that happen. Yes, but I, I think it's an interesting quarterback class. And me personally, I'm glad we don't have to deal with it as a Dolphins franchise. Um, and that we don't have to worry about whether or not our team is going to take one of these guys. Yeah, well, funny you should mention that, Jordan, because for the longest time you and I talked about how we're not going to be putting people on the list. But we yeah, have that's to go old, against that's that. That's an old thing. That's, we don't do that. Yeah, but we're going to do it this week because... Are we putting Zach on the list? We could, but no, we're not. We are actually putting Joe Klatt and um, let me look at the draft because it's a draft person, but um, Ryan Fowler of, I believe, the Draft Network both said that the Dolphins should draft Michael. I like the Draft Network. What did they do? I think it was the Draft Network, but they- uh, It was. Yeah, Ryan Fowler. they They mocked Michael Penix to us in the first round. And Joe Klatt also said we should take – well, Joe Klatt said that we should take Michael Penix in the first round because of Tua's injuries. Michael Penix has had three season-shortened injuries in college. So so yeah. you're telling me that the Dolphins, because of Tua's injuries, coming off a season where he was fully healthy, would take a first-round quarterback with, with that – been out for the season three times. That's what Joe Klatt said. Okay, and then I just I just wanted to make sure 
You said a couple names, a couple things. I just wanted to make sure that I had that story correctly. Yep. And Ryan Fowler just said that Penix is too good to pass up. And it's like, guys, we are actively... First of all, we picked up to his fifth-year option. So at the very worst, like, just even though you have a rookie contract, that just seems dumb to have take a first-round pick when you need offensive line. It's a deep offensive line draft to take a quarterback when you're quarterback in his mid-20s, who's only a year or two older than Penix, because Penix is in his sixth year of college, um, that you take, and it's just coming off of a year where he basically was top five in every category as a quarterback. It seems weird, and it also seems like these people do not watch football. Like, if you want to talk about what Tua's ceiling is compared to other people, that's fine. If you want to talk if he's a franchise quarterback or not, that's fine. But after the year he had, even if it was a disappointing end, why is anybody who's getting paid even entertaining taking a different quarterback in the first round? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, that's There's a 0% chance that happens. The only way that happens is if Tua gets angry, um, tells the Dolphins to trade him. Um, and then at that point, I think if the Dolphins are looking to trade him, <laughs> like we're, we're talking, are we picking at number two? Like, is Washington getting Tua from us? Um, are we picking six or seven? Um, like, where? how high are we picking? And how many other future picks do we have? I can't see there being any way that we are getting, nonetheless drafting a player to replace Tua. And I think that any person that goes out of their way to say that deserves to be on the list. Yeah. Ryan Fowler. You're on the list. Sorry, buddy. And uh, Joe Clatt, I do like you. You're a great analyst, but that's just dumb. So you also joined the list. And then after this, we're not doing that for a while again. But it's like I said, don't say stupid shit. And Jordan, I was looking for a, for a whole offseason, forward to an offseason where we didn't have to bash people for making stupid stupid takes. And we made it two weeks. I want to start a new tracker as we sign off here. I want to count how many times the two of us say on air the names Cade Stover and Ben Sinat between now and draft night. We can't do it intentionally either. We can't just be like, oh, Ben Sinat, oh, Cade Stover. Just, no, I, has... I mean just in the general flow of conversation. Yeah, no, I agree because it's going to happen. Because I think we – I literally think at least with Cade Stover – if not both of us, at least I have mentioned him every week since mid-November. Yeah, I've been doing on the list podcast or on listpodcast.com um, where there's great content. I've been doing dolphin-specific mock drafts on uh, simulators and post them. And I think they're going to get boring because you're going to see those guys picked more and more. When Jatavian Sanders is there, I take them. I just think that's going to become more infrequent. And I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Mike McDaniel had Stover and Sonat ranked higher on his personal draft board than a guy like Sanders. Yeah, it is possible. But we are going to ramp up the draft coverage. We are going to definitely next week because, like I said, it's combine time, baby. It is officially draft season. Best time of year. We're like kids in a candy store, kids on Christmas morning, however you want to say it going to be fun this is a lot of fun to look at and like I said 
for the first time in a couple of years, we do have a first round pick. So we can actually talk about elite prospects more. Wow. So, but I think it is about time for us to hit the old dusty trail this evening. As Jordan always says, definitely check out our content at listpodcast.com. Jordan and Mr. S have been doing weekly, I believe, updates to the mock draft, at least monthly. I think you guys are wrapping, ramping up a little and just added a second round recently to the mock draft. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll start adding some personal mock drafts myself since we're since tis the season. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's see what a Brett mock draft looks like. We'll definitely do that. Maybe we should also do like a on-air mock draft sometime and just do it live and just kind of walk you, through everything. You say when you could take evens or odds. I'll take evens or odds, and we can even bring Mister S into this if Zach wants to take a couple teams. Bring somebody else and have a four or five pack uh, and split up the teams and draft them. I would be more than down to do that. Maybe we'll do one right after the combine. I agree. Well, let's do that. We'll definitely do that. I like it. You guys are in our marketing meetings with us. Look at you. Absolutely. But it's going to be fun and we'll have Mr. S in it at least so he can keep track so we can put the uh, hard copy on the uh, listpodcast.com as well. But we're going to end this. That's going to end it also by saying, We love Zach. We gave him shit tonight, but we do love him. He is legit a great producer. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not even sitting at his desk right now while we dunk on him. But for Jordan and Zach, I'm Brett. And remember, we are the list and we are watching. Zach, hit that music, buddy. Wait, shit. It stopped recording again, guys. No, fuck you. Fuck you. See you guys next week. Later, guys. I'm hungry.